Take a Bible, please, and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Now, I've not forgotten Romans. <coughs> what uh, I have um, some messages to finish in the series we were doing on keeping your heart with all diligence. It's my desire to do that at the 10.30 service, and then 9 or 5, whatever time the other service is, I'll continue in Romans. And then I think once we finish this series, we'll do... Something else in the morning, maybe uh, Heroes of the Faith or Hebrews chapter 11, and the evening we'll do Romans. So uh, that's my plan at this stage as I've prayed about it and thought about it. So no, I've not forgotten Romans. We're going to continue the other series this morning. So Hebrew, uh, sorry, Ephesians chapter uh, 3, we're going to start reading verse 14 down to verse 19. We read, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with, the sa- with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ with passive knowledge, that she, may be, uh, that she might be filled with all fullness of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come together around your word, to study it together. Uh, we pray that, Lord, today that you would uh, enable us to uh, understand your truth. May the Spirit of God take the word of God and apply it to our hearts and lives today. Encourage us, Father God, through your word. Bless as we study it together. We know that, Father, you've promised in your word that your word would not return to you void. May indeed your word today accomplish in our hearts that which you desire it to accomplish. Lord, uh, we would uh, today uh, walk away from these services having known that we've been in your presence, having known that you've spoken to us and challenged us through your word. Give me wisdom, I pray now, as I open up your word. May I be used of you for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, in verses 14 to 19, are Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. It's interesting, if you read the chapter, he says this in verse 1. He says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. And then he goes in a long section of explaining who he is and his ministry and what God's done for him before he actually gets to the point of what he's trying to say. And verse 14, he comes back to the same phrase, for this cause I bow. So he says, for this cause I, Paul. And now he tells us what it is that he wants to tell them. For this cause I bow my knees under the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is his prayer for the saints at Ephesus. And his concern in this prayer for these saints is the condition of the inner man. Not the material needs of the body, not the material needs of the church at Ephesus, but the inner man of each and every believer that he's praying for. Now certainly it's not wrong to pray for physical needs. It's not wrong to pray for material needs. But Paul knew that if the inner man is what it ought to be, then the outer man will take care, will take care of in due time. And in the world in which we live, this generation in which we live, we need to take time daily to seek the Lord's help to strength, to be strengthened in the inner man. So I want you to notice me this morning what the Apostle Paul asked for, asked God for, 
when he prays for these believers here at Ephesus, because when he prays for his friends, the same things he prays for for them are the things that we need. So notice, first of all, he asks for spiritual strength. Verse 16. In verse 15 he says, Of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And then here is his prayer. Verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. To be strengthened with might. He desired for the believers at Ephesus that they would have spiritual strength that they would gain from the Father the strength that was required to do the work that God had called them to do, that they would be able to be, do the duty that God had given to them. He would enable them to be strengthened to do that which God had called them to do. That they would not have to serve him on their own, but they would be empowered by God to serve the Lord. The word grant here in verse 16, that he would grant you, the word grant indicates the inner strength is a gift of God. God would grant this. This is something that God wants to give to us. This is not a command. This is not something you and I are to, to uh, do. This is something that we receive. Okay? God grant to you this inner strength. It's a gift from the Lord. And notice that this gift from the Lord is according to the riches of his glory. This strength that God that Paul prays for, that God would grant to you and I as believers, is a strength that comes in accordance with the riches of his glory. Now the word riches here denotes abundance. And the idea is that his grace is inexhaustible. His grace is ample. In fact, there is sufficient grace for all of us to empower us, to strengthen us, to do what God's called us to do. The resources of God's grace, the resources of God's strength are bottomless as far as you and I believe it's concerned. There is no task that God has asked us to do that God will not empower us to do it. Now it's not going to be a case of the situation whereby God says, I want you to do this, and we start doing it, then God says, whoops, sorry, I've run out of resources. You're going to have to go in on your own. This is an abundance of grace. There's an abundance of strength. The Lord will grant to us that which is sufficient to accomplish the task. Remember, the Lord told Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. So he prays that out of the stores of God's riches, out of the store of God's rich grace, that they might be strengthened in the inner man, that they might be strengthened with might, that they would be mightily Strengthen. The word might is an interesting word. It means miraculous power. That God would grant to them out of the resources of God's grace, which is inexhaustible, strength with his might. He would give miraculous power to them. Paul calls in Colossians the power of the resurrection. Resurrection power. As believers, what you and I need every day more than anything else is that you and I might be mightily strengthened in our daily walk. 
that every day when you and I serve the Lord as we go about our business, being witnesses for Him, that we will be empowered by God out of His resources and strengthened mightily with miraculous power to do the work of God. That's Paul's prayer for the saints here. That's the desire that you and I ought to have. Colossians chapter 1, please. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 11, he makes a similar request for the church of Colossae. In verse 10 he says, That ye might walk worthy of the Lord, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. How are you going to walk worthy? Strengthened with all might, according to the glorious power, and all patience and longsuffering and joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He wants us to walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, and he'll do that by strengthening us according to his glorious power. You see, the desire that God has for you and that God has for me is that we walk worthy of him. But our walk of worthiness is not in our own strength. If you and I desire it, grant, we desire like Paul says, that God would grant to us strength. God will give us that strength that we need. You know, the word strengthen is opposite to fainting. It's the opposite to being discouraged. And if you and I are going to preserve our Christian walk, if you and I are going to have a Christian walk that has power, that is exhilarating, that is God-honoring, that you and I are walking with cheerfulness and rejoicing in the Lord, then what we need is to be strengthened. We need God's miraculous power so that we might serve Him. In Ephesians 3.16, he goes on and he prays that the strength that God would grant them strength according to the riches of his glory with, all, with might, and he says, by the Spirit. So secondly, by the Spirit. Strengthen the spiritual strength. Secondly, by the Spirit. And we know the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of a person is proof of salvation. That's what Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 says. Let's go there. Romans 8 9. says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is not of his. So we know the indwelling Spirit is proof that we're saved. But the power of the Spirit that Paul's talking about here in Ephesians chapter 3 is not that saving power. The power of the Spirit here, the strength strengthened by might, by his Spirit, is this enablement, spiritual enabling for Christian living. It is this power that Paul de desires for his readers, the power of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. It's that power, that spiritual power, that filling power, that indwelling power, that power that you and I now have at our eggs. Uh, available to us because of the indwelling spirit, you and I are to walk in that spirit, in that strength. We do God. We're, Paul's praying that the God would grant to them spiritual strength, the miraculous strength by His Spirit. In other words, you and I 
are able to have be strengthened by his might because we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit that empowers us. And Paul desires for all of us, God desires for all of us, that you and I would walk in spiritual strength. Someone has said, if God took the Holy Spirit out of the world, most of what Christians are doing would, not, would go right on and nobody would know the difference. It's sad, but it's true. Because much of what believers do is in our own strength. And so if the Spirit of God was taken out, we just keep on doing what we're doing, and nobody would know any different because we're not doing it in His power. We're not doing it in His strength. What we need is to be filled and strengthened by the Spirit so that the work of the Lord is accomplished in His power, in His strength. Isn't it Ephesians 5.18? And be not drunk with wine, whereas it says, but be filled with the Spirit. You see, this is, the, this is the empowering for the work that God has for us. God never intended for you and I as believers to serve Him in our own strength. When you and I were saved, He gave to us the indwelling Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not there just to ensure our salvation. You and I have received the indwelling Holy Spirit so the indwelling Holy Spirit will give us power. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. It's the power of the Spirit. You and I are to be strengthened in the inner man with his might, and we've done that by his Spirit. The Spirit enables us. God never intended you and I to serve him in our own strength. He never intended you and I to work in a wire and sparks and proteins and teach Sunday school in our own strength. God never intended for preachers to get into pulpits and preach in their own strength. God intended that you and I would be witnesses in the community in his strength. That as we go forth every day, we'd say, Lord, today lead me to some soul today that I might be able to share the gospel with. Lord, lead my steps today. Teach me thy way today. And God gave us the spirit to enable us. You know, much of the weakness... Much of the defeats, much of the lethargy that we find in our spiritual lives can be attributed to the fact that we're not consistently being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, as believers, what we need every day is a fresh supply of godly strength. We don't need more of the Spirit. We just simply need to be empowered more by that Spirit. We need strength in the soul if we're to serve God and do our duty. We need God's power if we're effective for God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, verse, uh, verse, let's go back to verse 5. For we preach on ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. <coughs> Excuse me. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency 
of the power maybe of God and not of us. And that the excellency of the power maybe of God and not of us. That's the treasure we have in this ocean of earth and metals. See, you and I are to shine in the darkness. You and I are to give light to a lost and dying world. They're supposed to see Christ as the hope of glory. And how do they do that? Well, in this earthen vessel, in this body, you and I have the excellency of the power of God dwelling in us. And the indwelling Holy Spirit will strengthen us. And this strength is only ours as we yield ourselves to the leading of the Spirit day by day. Now in Ephesians 3, 16, he prayed for the strength that would come by the Holy Spirit. But this strength is not in the body, but in the inner man. Notice what he says. This is point three. So there's strengthened by his Spirit in the inner man. Look in verse 16 again. Excuse me. It says that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. This means the spiritual part of man, where God dwells, where God works. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. In other words, though outwardly we are wasting away, we're dying. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. And it's interesting here in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 and 19, Paul does not pray that the circumstances of the Ephesians would change. He said he prays that they would be given inner strength, that they would be renewed inwardly day by day. Now we know the devil attacks the mind. The struggle that we have as believers is in the inner man, isn't it? It's not this flesh. This flesh and blood that we walk around in enacts what our heart desires. The problem is not in the body, the problem is in the inner man, it's in our hearts. It's the way we think. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's where the struggle is, in our minds. If the world can control our minds, and the devil can control our minds, he controls our hearts, if he controls our hearts, he controls our bodies. And therefore, we need strength in the inner man. And that's why Paul was much more concerned about the spiritual needs of the church at Ephesus than their physical needs and their material needs. And there's no doubt the church at Ephesus had physical and material needs. But it's interesting, you look at every one of the epistles that are written to the churches in, in the New Testament, there's very little mention about their physical needs but an awful lot of mention, particularly in the prayers of the apostles for the churches, the prayer is about their spiritual needs. Because the greatest need that you and I have as believers is the needs of the inner man. The ba- today the battle is for the control of the inner man. That's why our prayers need to go beyond asking God to change our circumstances. 
spiritual strength is far more needful for you and I as believers than any change in our circumstance. It's interesting, later in this letter, Paul asks the Ephesians to pray for him. Go to chapter 6, please. Chapter 6. And Paul, after mentioning everything that God wants for the church at Ephesus, he asks this in verse 19 of chapter 6. He says this. Uh, let's pick it up in verse 18 because that's the context. He says, Praying always with all prayer, and supplication of the Spirit, and watching thereunto, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, so pray for me, he says, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Now we've got to remember where Paul is right now. He's in a Roman jail. And we're not talking about, uh, you know, 21st century luxury accommodation. We're talking 1st century Roman prison. There's nothing pleasant about where Paul is right now. Now, if you and I were in Paul's position, what would you and I ask for if we were in prison? Well, I'm sure that if we wrote this letter to the church at Clarence Valley, and we said, that brethren of Clarence Valley Baptist Church, pray for me that I would be released from prison soon. Isn't that what most of us would pray for? Or that things where the guards would look favorably upon me and make things easier for me here. Okay? That's what we'd pray for. Well, that's what I'd pray for. But Paul doesn't request that. Paul requests that he would continue to boldly preach the gospel. You see, the apostle Paul understands the importance of the inner man. And he knew that the thing that he needed more than anything else was God's enabling power to preach the gospel. Lord Jesus Christ mentions this to us in Matthew 6.33. He says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Remember he said in that passage, Take no thought for yourself. Don't worry about today. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. And then he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ was dealing with people that were always worrying about food and drink and clothing. The people that followed him around, for the vast majority of those people who followed Christ around were concerned about material things. They were following him for the miracles he did, they were following him for the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000. They followed him because of what they could get out of following around the material things. They were starting with the material and the seen instead of starting with the spiritual and the unseen. Christ said the opposite is true. Seek first my kingdom and seek my righteousness and then I'll take care of all the other things. Get the spiritual right and the physical will follow. The most important thing that you need is to be strengthened by might in the inner man. We are often anxious about things that affect the outward person. You know, worry about food and drink and clothing. But it would be good if we became more anxious about the things that affect the inner person. You and I were worried about spiritual things. 
Because those things are far more important than any physical thing that we have a need for. Our inner man is the most important thing that we need to take care of as believers. It's the inner power that gives us spiritual success. It's the inner power that ensures, ensures God's blessing upon us. We spend a lot of time seeking to improve our decaying outer man and a little or no time working on strengthening the inner man. Yet victory and blessing are found not in the body, but in the inner man. Somebody said to have the Holy Spirit empower the inner man means that our spiritual life is controlled by God. And what the Apostle now does in his prayer, in verse 17 to 19, he goes on to explain how we become strengthened in the inner man. How does this take place? How, how does verse 16 actually happen? That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened by his might, by his, uh, with might by his spirit in the inner man. How does that take place? What are the dynamics of that? How do we accomplish this? How do we ensure that you and I are strengthened by might, by his spirit in the inner man? Well, first of all, he says that we're strengthened when Christ dwells in our hearts. Look in verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Christ dwells in our hearts. The word dwells literally means to settle down, to feel at home. Now certainly Christ was already resident in the heart of the Ephesians. Or else he couldn't have said what he said in verse 1. Remember what he said in verse 1? He said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints, which are in Ephesus, and the faithful in Christ Jesus. He couldn't have called them saints if they weren't already saved. So we know he's talking to born-again believers here. So Christ already dwells in their hearts. Yeah, that's, that's the reality. Once we're saved, we have the indwelling Holy Spirit, and we often call that Christ dwelling in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So Paul is praying here for the believers at Ephesus for a deeper experience between Christ and the believer. Now, two ancient Greek words convey the idea of dwell, or to live in. One has the idea of living in a place as a stranger. Okay, you're visiting. You go to a hotel, you turn up to the hotel or the motel, you pay your money and you stay there, okay? You're visiting as a stranger. The other has the idea of settling down in a place to make it your permanent home. That's where you live. The word dwell here in Ephesians 3.17 is this ancient Greek word for permanent dwelling, permanent home. The apostle here is praying that the relationship of the believers at Ephesus to Christ will be more than a surface relationship, that Christ is in them because they're saved, but that that relationship will have a deepening relationship, will have a deepening fellowship, that Christ would feel at home in their hearts. That the indwelling Holy Spirit wasn't just there because they were saved, but the indwelling Holy Spirit would be at home, have a deepening relationship with the relationship with Christ in their hearts. Because our hearts are often the place where sin dwells, where Christ is slighted, where Christ is opposed, where Christ is rebelled against. But what the Lord wants for us, as seen here in this prayer by the Apostle Paul, what the Lord wants for us is the, 
He wants to settle down in our hearts. He doesn't just want to be a stranger. He wants to be a part of the family. He wants to feel at home. He wants to be at home. In other words, not just a surface relationship, but Christ desires for you and me to have an ever-deepening relationship with him, have a deepening fellowship. It's here in this deepening relationship with Christ that we find strength. This is how we're strengthened by, uh, through, by his mind in the inner man. We're strengthened in the inner man as you and I have a deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. So how do we have this deepening relationship? Well, know what the Lord says in verse 17. It says, the Lord desires for us to be rooted in love. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye be rooted and granted in love. Being rooted in love. The word rooted here means uh, moves us to the plant world. The image here is this, that there is this tree that's planted and it gets its roots down deep into the ground so that it might gain the nourishment that it needs and the stability it needs to put forward the trunk and the branches and the fruit. See, a tree can only grow upwards and outwards in direct proportion to its root system. If a tree has a very small root system, it cannot hold the canopy, it cannot hold the branches and the fruit. It has to have a very strong root system in order that it might produce very strong branches and fruit. And likewise, the Christian must have the spiritual roots deep into the love of God. Psalm 1. Psalm we all know well, but it's appropriate and it's also relevant right here. Psalm 1, because Psalm 1 illustrates to us what's been talked about here by being rooted in love. Psalm 1, verse 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the sorrowful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And if his Lord doth he meditate day and night, and he should be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaves shall not wither, and whithersoever he doeth shall prosper. When you and I delight ourselves in the law of the Lord, when we meditate day and night in the law of the Lord, then we will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And indeed, we will bring forth fruit in our season. Our leaf will not wither. And whatsoever we do will prosper. If you and I are to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, then Christ must dwell in us. He must feel at home in our hearts. And that happens when you and I, through meditation and the reading of the word of God, spend time with the Lord. And then we are rooted in his love. One of the most important questions a Christian can ask himself is, from where do I draw my nourishment? Where do I draw my stability? What am I feeding my soul with? Am I feeding my inner man with godliness? Am I feeding my soul with godliness? Am I feeding my soul with the word of God? Am I feeding my soul with the things that will strengthen me and nourish me? 
Or am I putting garbage into my soul? Am I feeding my soul with garbage and rubbish that therefore I'm struggling spiritually because my heart is not nourished by the Lord? If there is to be strength in the Christian life, in the inner man, then there must be depth to our relationship with Christ. The roots must go deeper and deeper into the love of Christ. And we must be grounded in love, verse 17 again, that you've been rooted and grounded in love. It's as though the apostle wants you and I to get the point here. He's just talked about trees and roots. Now he's going into the architectural uh, field and building field. He's talking about foundations now. Roots going down deep are important for the canopy of the tree. With a building, the foundations are important for the strength of the building. Somebody said or observed that the most important part of this building, of a building, is the foundation. Because if you don't go deep, you can't go high. The deeper you go, the higher you can go. That's the reality of buildings. And the truth is that when it comes to the believer, you and I need to make sure that our foundations are deep. They are, they are grounded in the Word of God, that, that you and I are settled on God's Word, that our feet are secure in that because you and I are spending time daily allowing Christ to dwell in our hearts richly through the Word of God. Because the truth is the trials of life test the depth of our experience. The storms of life that blow reveal the strength of our roots. To stand, to be effective for Christ, we need to be rooted and grounded in love. You and I need to have an ever-deepening relationship with Christ. And Paul prayed here that the believers might have a deeper experience with Christ because only that could strengthen them in the severe trials of life. Paul now gets further. To tell them the fruit and purpose of this evident relationship, he has prayed that they might be strengthened with might by his spirit in the man. How does that happen? That Christ is dwelling in your hearts by faith, that they are rooted and grounded in love. Now he says to them, that you may be able to comprehend, notice verse 18, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ. So the purpose of this ever-deepening relationship with the Lord and the fruit of this ever-deepening relationship with the Lord is that we may be able to comprehend with all saints the love of Christ that you and I may be able to understand every dimension of the love of Christ. His prayer here is that we might know by experience, that we might have a heart knowledge in the inner man of the love of Christ. We know that the Lord loves us. That's why he saved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that who is to believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We know that God loves us. We know that God commanded his love towards us that while we had sinners, Christ died for us. And greater love hath no man than this than he laid down his life for his friends. We know that, don't we? 
But what the Lord desires for you and me is that you and I come to understand how deep that love is. That you and I would get to understand the dimensions of God's love. You and I would be able to understand how much he loves us. See, when we're little, we know our parents love us. But it's only as we get older we appreciate how much they love us. We know they say, I love you. We know that they say when they take us to the bedroom to give us a smack, I'm doing this because I love you. But the reality is most of us when we're little don't fully comprehend what that all means, do we? It's not until we get older, in fact for most of us, it's not until we get married and have our own kids that we really start to understand what it means when parents say to us, I love you. We know God loves us, but it's not until you and I start to experience in our hearts and start to have an inner, deeper understanding of who God is that we really start to appreciate his love. I love theology. I teach that at Bible college. And I love in particular the doctrine of soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. I'm teaching that at the moment. Because it starts to expand their comprehension of how much God loves us. When you look at the great doctrines of reconciliation, redemption, justification, and so on, we start to understand the depth of the love of God. And what God wants for you and I is that you and I, so that we might be strengthened the inner man with might, by his spirit, that you and I would have an ever a deepening understanding of the love of God, that you and I would begin to comprehend the dimensions of God's love. The English word comprehend here mean, comes from a Latin word, which means to grasp. It's actually a Latin word which talks about uh, you know, animals that can hold on to things. They have fingers and thumb, okay, hold on to things. To grasp. And this grasping or appropriating and knowing of the love of Christ can be practiced only by those who are rooted and grounded in love. You and I cannot grasp, cannot understand, cannot comprehend the dimensions of God's love unless we're spending time in the Word of God. Unless you and I are rooted and grounded in love, unless we have a deepening relationship with Christ, you and I will never comprehend, never grasp, never get hold of the dimensions of God's love. Now the word to know here in verse 18, you may be able to comprehend with all sense, which is the breadth and the length and depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ. And the word know there in verse um, 19 suggests laying hold of it for yourself. The Lord Jesus Christ wants you and I to lay hold of the vast expanse of God's love. He wants us to grasp it. He wants to know it. He wants us to understand the dimensions of Christ's love. But there's a paradox here. Notice what it says in verse 19. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. God wants you and I to personally know the dimensions of his love, a love that passes knowledge. 
a love that we will never comprehend. So what's going on here? He wants us to be able to grasp. He wants us to be able to comprehend the depth and the, uh, he wants us to be able to comprehend the, the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of the love of Christ. He wants us to know the dimensions of his love. But it passes knowledge. Well, the fact is there are dimensions to the love. But they cannot be measured. And to simply put it, it means this. Paul is praying that the Ephesians, and indeed every believer, will understand this. You and I will never get to the point where we can say we've arrived. What we learn about God's love today, and we learn about God's love tomorrow, and we learn about God's love the next day, will never ever exhaust our understanding of God's love. For as long as you and I live, we'll never fully comprehend the love of God. It's an ongoing thing. In other words, you and I need to spend every day in the Word of God. You and I need to spend every day deepening our relationship with Christ. You and I need every day to be strengthened with might in the inner man by the Spirit because it's something we need every day. We'll never be able to comprehend the dimensions of God's love because they're beyond their knowledge. But that shouldn't stop us from trying. See, it's also wonderful to know this. No Christian has to worry about adequate spiritual resources to meet the demands of life because they're abundant, they're inexhaustible. Isn't that what he said back in verse 16? Uh, sorry, verse 14. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole world, her whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. You and I need to understand that the love of God is so great, is so inexhaustible, is so, so uh, uh, much of it, that you and the, the resources will never run out. My God can supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. They're sufficient for every need that you and I have. God has sufficient for all. It's inexhaustible. We are so rich that our riches cannot be calculated. Inner strength is available for every need. And this introduces us to the climax of this prayer. We're going to have a deep relationship with Christ. We're going to be strengthened with might by His Spirit and the inner man through a deepening relationship with Jesus Christ, being rooted and grounded in love. Why? that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Look at verse 19. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. In other words, the knowledge just described has a transforming character on you and I. As you and I are strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, through, the indwelling, through, the, through Christ dwelling richly in our hearts, as we get to know the, 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 the love of Christ, 
by being rooted and grounded in that love through the study and the meditation of the Word of God, through fellowship with Him, as you and I start to do that, you and I start to understand, we start to comprehend, we start to grasp the dimensions of God's love and we get to know Christ intimately. Why? That we might be filled with all fullness of God, that you and I might be so filled with the Spirit that everything we do is Spirit-empowered. In other words, the knowledge transforms us. Isn't that what 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 says? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Verse, I'm sure you know, well, probably memorized it. It says this. Verse 17. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all. With open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed in the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We're changed from glory to glory. You and I were justified. We're declared righteous. When God looks at you and I, He looks at us through Christ, and He sees us as justified. He sees us standing in Christ's righteousness. One day, you and I are going to be glorified. We're going to stand in heaven sure. This old flesh will be gone and you and I will receive a glorified body. And what we are at justification will now will be at glorification. What we are at justification positionally, we will be at glorification actually. We'll be in his presence. We'll be like him for we see who he is. But in the meantime, what we are at justification, God wants you and I to become in sanctification. What we will be at glorification. He wants you and I to start working out our own salvation that you and I would allow that justification, that relationship, that understanding of the love of God to grow. That you and I daily might be transformed into the image of Christ. That the Spirit of God is working in us, empowering us, so that everyone looks at us and what they see in us is Christ. What Paul is asking for is what he requests for in chapter 5 of Ephesians, verse 1 and 2. He says, this is what he prays for the believers. He says, be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love. As Christ has all loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling savor, we're to be followers of God. We're to walk in love. This is what he prayed for. And what he's praying for in Ephesians chapter 3 is what he's desired for them in Ephesians chapter 5. This is what he prayed for back in verse 16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And what's the result of that? That you and I might be filled with the fullness of God. That's what he wants. The strengthening in the inner man by his spirit is so that you and I might be filled with the fullness of God. See, positionally, we're complete in him. But practically, we enjoy only the grace, the inner strength that we apprehend by faith. The spiritual resources are available to all of us. They're unbounding. They're inexhaustible. There is, there is nothing that you and I need that God cannot supply. God's grace is sufficient for all of us. What we need to do, though, is allow 
through faith, Christ dwell in our hearts richly. And when he does, we will be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. You know, each of us as believers need to pray that we be strengthened in the inner man. When we go to prayer, we should not just pray for our physical needs, but we should remember to pray for our spiritual needs as well. That the Lord would empower us in the inner man to live for his glory. And if we are to be strengthened in the inner man, we all need to have an ever-deepening relationship with Christ. The strength for living is available to all of us. Now you and I as believers need to be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ so that we might be effective servants for the Lord. With the Apostle Paul, let's make it our desire to pray daily for inner strength that we might bring glory to God. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the book of Ephesians and for this great prayer of the Apostle Paul's. And Lord, we probably haven't done justice to everything that the Apostle's saying, but Lord, I do pray that we've done sufficient today that all of us have been challenged that when we pray, not just to pray for our food and our raiment and our bills and the things we need, but we will take time to pray for inner strength and that we take time to be rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. That we might begin to understand the dimensions of that love. That we might be filled with all the fullness of God. <coughs> that we might be effective for you in our daily walk. Commend your word to our hearts now we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.